Welcome to the Lebo Show. Here we are back in the basement, a very cold basement. It's a very, very cold basement today. Now, I thought it would be warmer because it's there's a blizzard. This is our first big blizzard of the season, and the snow is piling up, and I thought it would insulate the garage. Again, I think I said I'm in the basement. It's not a basement. It's a basement-adjacent garage, and I thought that the snow would insulate it, but the snow hasn't insulated it or at least not sufficiently, it's fucking cold in here. And the kids are home. Uh, it was supposed to be a school day, but they had a snow day, which I guess even when they're remote learning, you got to call the day for snow. It's a, it's a cultural thing. It's part of being an American is when it snows, there's no school. And this is why people who live in the South are not Americans. Uh, because they can't relate on this particular issue of culture. I think that um, having three broadcast networks beyond just the news, also just the uh, shows that we would watch, really helped knit us together as a society. And having so many, it started, you know, having the, the fracturing of the media landscape starting with cable TV and, of course, accelerating into the, the internet and streaming. I think it does damage to to uh, to the cohesion of Americans as a people. Yes, we want to be multicultural, but we also need to have a unifying culture. We want to be multi-ethnic. We want to celebrate everyone's heritage, but we also have to be a people, one people. And it used to be that you'd get together the next day and you'd talk about the episode of Seinfeld last night. Everyone would have watched it, you know, and... Uh, and now we're just so, we're just all in our cold basement adjacent, basement adjacents. We're all just in our cold basement adjacents, uh, metaphorical basement adjacents. I had the most terrifying experience when I was driving home from New York City last night. I was doing my job uh, being a responsible middle-class drug dealer, and I was, uh, you know, I worked until 11. We had this big storm. It was supposed to hit at 7 p.m. Like clockwork, it hit at 7. I guess the people who do the weather forecasting have really hunkered down during quarantine and gotten their shit together because they said it was going to start snowing at 7. And when it started snowing, it wasn't 7.01. It wasn't 7. It was 7 o'clock. It's almost like we're in a simulation. Like somebody set snow for 7. But anyway, it started snowing. It's seven o'clock, and um, I was worried about getting home because I have an hour and a half drive home, and I kept calling Anna, and I was like, Anna, is it going to be, am I going to be able to make it, because huh? we live on a hill, am I going to be able to get up the hill, and she she just seemed like she couldn't be bothered, I didn't understand why, she's like, I, no, I don't know, it'll be fine, and I guess, you know, I get it, she's busy, but. It seemed like a lack of concern, which I didn't appreciate. But anyway, I worked until 11. It's now been snowing for about four hours. And the streets in New York, they're kind of fucked up, but you can still make it like the side streets are kind of fucked up. There's some accumulation on them. But if you're on the main arterial streets, I mean, they've just had trucks going all day, just dumping salt, every, just, just salting. There must be so much salt in the world that they can just dump truckloads of it every day that there's a that there's a potential for snow 
I mean, just mountains and mountains of salt. It's really hard to wrap your head around how vast the resources of this planet we live on are. I mean, where do they get all this fucking salt so that every city can have its own mountain of salt that they keep on hand just in case? And this shit is not expensive. Where does the salt come from? I mean, I get it. It's like in the ocean. It's in life. It's their deposits, mineral deposits of it. But uh, anyway, it's very impressive that we have as, spe- as a species have been able to marshal so much salt. Gives you, gives you more appreciation for the pillar of salt. In the ancient world, a pillar of salt must have been a really valuable thing. I mean, the fact that we have so much salt. I mean, this is a necessary... This is a necessary electrolyte. It's necessary for our cells to conduct osmosis. Every living being needs salt. And the fact that we have so much of it that we can just pour it out on the streets. I mean, it's just a real embarrassment of riches, all this salt that we have. I mean, I don't see how we can be complaining about our place in the world. And, you know, I mean, we have a lot of fucking salt. We have so much salt. And, you know, we really ought to focus on the things that we're grateful for. Yeah, okay, we don't have health care, but we have salt. Sure, our reality is dictated by a handful of sociopathic tech oligarchs, but we have fucking salt. Yes, Wall Street is trying to steal all of our money and crying when they, when they get called on their bullshit, but we have salt. Yes, there's nuclear weapons, but there's salt. There's salt we have. Hey, we might not have a lot, baby, but we got salt. You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, we got a whole lot of salt up in this motherfucker. Anyway, salting the streets. I'm driving home. I get on the uh, FDR, and I'm going uptown. I get onto the, uh, what is it, the Deegan I-87, and this weird thing happens where, like, as soon as you cross the city line, as soon as you get out of the Bronx and up into Westchester County, it's just like nobody cares about the roads. Nobody's doing shit. There's just all of a sudden, it's you know, you just hit this demarcation line, this artificial political boundary, and suddenly it's like, oh, sorry, you're on your own. And there's just like snow piling up. You got to go 20 miles an hour. Cars got their flashers on. It's just, it's just like, you know, it's like a state of nature, like what the snow accumulation would be if nobody gave a fuck. And that's just what the drive was like all the way to my house. And it just really made me realize, man, that like if you don't live in one of these big economically important cities, like fuck you. I mean, that really is the attitude. It's like, oh, you're not in New York? Well, then, fuck you. Fuck you all the way to Boston. Fuck you for 200 miles. Just the whole way, just like, nah, we couldn't. We got a lot of salt, but, you know, we need it for all the side streets in Manhattan. We We can't bother spreading it on our interstate network of highways, the... The thing upon which the defense of this country and the economy of this country is predicated. No, we can't be bothered with that. 
Now we got to make sure rich people's Grubhub arrives on time. I mean, it really is. This is why I get it. This is why people voted for Trump. I mean, they see this elitism. It's just like, just really the powers that be have just said like, oh, if you live outside of this little economic zone, fuck you straight into the grave. Fuck you straight into the grave. These people, these elites, they're necrophiliacs. They'll fuck you into the grave and then they'll they'll just keep fucking you. Economic necrophilia. I think that when historians look back at this period in history, that's what they'll refer to. That's what they'll refer to it as. They'll refer to it as a form of necrophilia capitalism. Economic necrophilia. This is good. This is good stuff. I never thought of economic necrophilia. What is it when you fuck something until it dies and then you keep fucking it after it's dead? That's not just necrophilia. That's, um, oh, better make sure the content, uh, is an age restriction on whatever this is being delivered on. It's, uh, I did not, I did not anticipate. See, this is the magic of comedy. When I hit that record button, baby, I had no idea I was going to be talking about necrophilia of any kind, economic or otherwise. And this is just through the magic of attention deficit disorder. This is just what happens. The words come out. Yeah, man, they don't they don't give a fuck about you if you live out here. So it's just like it's just that um that harsh recognition that like, oh, we have the ability to solve this problem. But for certain people in certain places, like, we're not gonna. And then I had to take this, oh my God. And so I'm driving home and there are these big flakes. You know when you're on the highway and it's just covered in snow. Again, the warm people who live, who the people who live in warm climates who are listening to this won't understand because you're not real Americans. But when you're driving through this snow and there's all these flakes, you know, there's all these flakes, these big fat snowflakes falling and you're going forward and you got your headlights on. It really is like in Star Wars when they go into hyperdrive. It's just like and it starts to feel like kind of trippy and it's like you'd sort of lose your perspective on the road and what you're supposed to be and then you start to feel like you're going a little bit crazy anyway it's a very stressful time it's a very stressful time and of course during this time i realize oh no i'm about to run out of gas now there's a weird thing about driving upstate new york where there's no fucking gas stations there's no, I mean, there are gas stations, but they're not like on the highway. If I were in charge, and I never will be, but if I were, I would mandate gas stations at every interstate highway exit, at least some bullshit local county road. Okay, maybe if you can't afford to put a gas station there, fine. But it, this is a fucking, it's a, it's a four lane highway with a, with a blue sign and the, with the blue you know, shield and the red on the top, like that, those have to have gas stations at the exits. I mean, this is fucking America. Anyway, it's impossible to find gas, and I know I'm going to have to get off the highway. So I get off the highway. I find some winding road. You know, I go five, six miles off in the snow to find some fucking gas station, risking my life the whole time. And then I get there, and what do you know? It's 12.30 a.m. and the gas station is closed. 
I'll say that again in case you missed it. The gas station was closed. You know what I mean. The gas station, the business where you pay remotely at the pump that requires no human service on the other end of any kind. Yeah, it was closed. They couldn't man the automatic pumps. So the gas station was closed. This is fucking crazy, man. You can't have, you can't close a gas station. I mean, this is just another, I mean, this is just, I guess, another like basic tenant of American democracy is like gas stations don't close. You can't close the gas. You can't close something that requires nobody to operate. Well, I mean, what do you, what do you think is going to happen if you just leave the pumps on? What, 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 what could happen besides somebody who's stranded in the middle of the night getting gas? Is that what it is? You don't want the wrong kind of people getting gas? Well, if you're stranded in the wrong, wrong hour on the, on the wrong side of the sun, I mean, if you're stranded without gas and it's after a certain hour, are you really the type of person that we want driving around the streets of Scarsdale? Maybe you ought to just sit in your car and freeze to death until morning. Of course, if you've frozen to death until morning, they can pull some of that economic necrophilia on your ass when they get back to work. You can't close a, a gas station. That's my only point. A gas station is a public service. I know if you own a gas station, you think, I own a business. This is my business. I do what I want with my business. Ayn Rand said so. But uh, a gas station is a public utility. It's like for people to get gas to keep the economy. I don't know. Again, I don't make the rules. But gas stations can't close. So then I had to get online. I had to Google 24-hour gas station. And Google's like, oh, when you Googled gas station, I didn't put two and two together that you needed gas. This is why I'm not really that afraid of the AIs taking over just yet. I mean, I'll be afraid of the AIs taking over when Google can tell me for sure like what road I'm on. Right when Google Maps like knows what road I'm actually on, instead of like what road I'm near, then maybe I'll start to worry. Or if say Google can tell that when I'm googling gas station, I mean one that's fucking open, then I'll start to worry about the AI. In other words, when these products start to work the way that I want them to, that is when I will start to worry that something is terribly wrong. Right now. I'm not worried, baby. Everything's fucked. It's all good. Hey, man. Chill. Everything's fucked. Nothing works. It's cool. That's how I felt about these uh, QAnon conspiracy theories. Or not the, not QAnon specifically. I don't want to get into QAnon specifically because there's a lot there that I don't understand. But that's why I wasn't really so convinced about um, about this uh, election fraud claims, besides the fact that it was telegraphed ahead of time that this, with these fucking people were going to do was they were going to like uh, say that mail-in ballots are bad and then, you know, prevent laws that allow them to be counted on time. And then, you know, when those votes come in later, say that they're a sign of fraud. I mean, the fact, besides the fact that it was telegraphed ahead of time, 
that they were going to make these baseless accusations, or at least that they were engineering a pretext for making these accusations. That also dampened my enthusiasm for the arguments of electoral fraud, the fact that they said we're going to make these arguments and... Um, and this is how we're going to engineer the circumstances in which they will seem plausible to people who are not paying attention. But the other reason, okay, put it like this: I'd be a lot, I'd be a lot more likely to consider the possibility that the government colluded in an election rigging scheme if the government seemed just a little bit more capable of doing anything at all, right? Anything. If they seem more capable of providing basic services, uh, if they seem more capable of, I don't know, just like mailing out checks to people who paid their taxes, if they, I mean, these are the people who like run the DMV. Um, yeah. So if their track record were one of more competence, then I would be more likely to subscribe to such theories. But it is not so poo on you, as we say in my family. That sounded like a kind of racist Asian voice. I didn't mean for it to. I, it just like was manipulating the musculature on my mouth, and that's how that came out. You know, you can't plan this stuff. You can't always plan your racism. Sometimes it just manifests naturally of its own accord. And then it's not really you. It's just, that's just, that's just uh, uh, a priori racism. Not a priori. What's the word for? There's some Latin word for what I mean, but I don't know what it is. There's all these Latin words, and uh, they're appropriate in certain situations, but I can't be expected to use them in those because I don't know. I did drive home. One of the roads that I drove home on last night was called Guinea Road, which uh, is 2021. I mean, maybe don't call it Guinea Road. Maybe Guinea means something else. I don't know. But I think of it as a pejorative term for Italian and Italian-American persons. And maybe, you know, I, I get it. Like, don't call your team the Washington Redskins, but like maybe also don't call it Guinea Road. Even if Guinea does mean something else, it's like, I don't know. I don't like it. I get it. Italians are white, so fuck them. But still, I don't like it. I wouldn't feel right about l driving down McKike Lane to my house. I wouldn't buy a house on that street. All these, I don't know. I can say that because I'm both. Irish and Jewish and racist, so it's okay. I was having an argument with my friend the other day, and it was a text argument, so it was pointless. The more and more arguments take place over text, the more intractable our positions become because you can't understand what the other person is saying because there's no inflection. You can't feel the tone of their voice. You can't see, see the twinkle in their eyes. You can't feel the warmth of their heart. All you see is some words which you interpret a certain way, often the wrong way, often the way, often in the most unflattering way. And it's just, 
It's like every time I get into an argument over text, I'm just like, well, this is going to end badly. Let's fucking go. <laughs> let's let's gin up negative emotion on both sides. Got nothing else to do. It's lockdown, baby. Let's fight about things we probably ultimately agree on and get really mad at what should unify us. But I got into an argument with my friend the other day about school unions. And I had made this statement that school unions don't care about kids. They care about teachers. And he got, he, he took real offense to that. I guess he thought it was a cynical point And he thought it was propaganda for charter schools. Which I don't, I mean, I'm sure that that argument is used in propaganda to promote charter schools. I'm sure that that's true. But I wasn't using it that way. So I think that um, I think that on both sides of any argument, um, there is a tendency to avoid looking at things objectively because we're afraid of where the evidence might lead to. Like if I'm arguing with you about the definition of the word irony, I don't want to look up the definition of the word irony because I might not like whose side of the argument it bolsters. And that little predicament right there, I think we can all agree, is highly ironic. But I, um, I do feel like there's this tendency to say the other side doesn't like facts, my side likes facts. But it's not really true. None of us like facts. We only like things that support our point of view. And I think that's a real problem. Now, it might be a bigger problem on one side of the argument than the other. In fact, oftentimes pretty clear that it is. I don't want to get political, but Republicans be lying. You know what I'm saying? Shit. But uh, Democrats aren't always honest either. And none of these people have our... I mean, that's what it is. Like, a union is like a political party. It has an agenda. It doesn't care. It doesn't really care about anything. It's not a person. And he was just saying, well, it's really cynical to say that. The school unions don't care about kids. And uh, I, I agree. That is cynical. But it's also like, well, a union is an institution. It, it doesn't care about anything. It has a purpose, right? And then we got into it, and he's like, you're telling me the union is the teachers. You're telling me the teachers don't care about kids. Of course the teachers care about kids. I just feel like that's not the point. Yes, okay, the school unions care about kids. But everybody cares about kids. What we should be looking at when we evaluate the institutions in our, our society is not what they care about, but what they do. What is their function, right? In a school union, this is just a fact, a school union is a group that is organized to protect the interests of the teachers. Now, the interests of the teachers and the interests of the students are usually in alignment, right? They're all pro-education. My only point is that where the interests of the students and the interests of the teachers diverge, 
the union will take the side of the interests of the teachers every single time. Just as a representative, say, from Texas, of course cares about people from New York. And so long as the interests of people in New York are in alignment with the interests of people in Texas, well, then that representative is going to vote for the interests of the people in New York. But as soon as the interests of a person in New York diverge from the interests of a person in Texas, then that representative is going to vote with the interests of Texas every single time. That's just what he's going to do every time. Or he's going to lose his job. But that's what his purpose is. And it's the same thing with with a teacher's union. So, yeah, of course they want the kids to get a good education. That's why they're teachers. Okay? But it's never the teacher's union that says oh, you know what, we should make the school day longer. Or, oh, you know what, we should make it easier to get rid of bad teachers. It's always the school, the teachers union that's protecting their members. And that doesn't make them bad. See, I'm not trying to demonize anyone. They're not bad for doing that. They're not bad for prioritizing the needs of the teachers over the needs of the students because it's a teachers union. That is what it is for. It is for protecting the interests of the teachers. Now, there are other instruments that are there for protecting the uh, interests of the students. There's the parent-teacher uh, association. There's the school board. There's all kinds of things. Yeah. Are you doing something? Yes. Anyway, that's my little rant on that. My son's thyrus just came downstairs and asked if I was doing anything. Maybe you heard him. And the answer was, yes, I am doing something. But is it anything? I don't know. Is something anything? No, it's not. It's one thing in particular. No, son, I'm not doing anything. I'm doing something very specific. I am speaking in a microphone to be replayed later by... <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> That's a good question. Is anyone listening? Well, someone is, but that is not the same thing. If you're listening to this, you are not just anyone. Okay, I want you to know that you're someone, and someone cannot be just anyone. It has to be you. So I'm going to leave you with that, because I think maybe I have to go upstairs and do something. I have to go upstairs and do anything. But I do have to go upstairs. So thank you for uh, listening to the Mike Leibovitz Top Secret Underground Comedy Podcast brought to you pre-recorded from an above-ground garage. And uh, hey, we're not supposed to tell anyone about this little podcast, but you can tell if you want. I won't tell if you tell. See you on the flip side. Shh.